0: But here's what we've covered so far, if you're brand new with us today. We have covered this. We have covered why church is essential, why the Bible is essential, why prayer is essential. Uh, We talk about spiritual gifts. We talk about faith, why faith is so essential. We talked about, uh, two weeks ago, angels and demons as well. And and talk about witchcraft, tarot cards, all those things as well. It was a good Sunday. But even last week was really good. Pastor Lindsey tore it up with commission and the calling of God. And so I hope you were here. I hope you can watch that on YouTube, on our podcast, things like that. Uh, Android, I think you can uh, watch it somewhere. Like, we'll mail it to you, and uh, you can pop in a little DVD. And okay, and so but today, and a lot of us can kind of go, Pastor, I'm really liking this, this collection of talks, man. I mean, we're talking about the Bible, and uh, we're hearing about stories of people receiving their Bible for the very first time. We're, we're hearing the stories of people praying, like, like they never knew how to pray before, and, and, and maybe they learned a different way, but this way is just more personal. Or maybe they're learning about their spiritual gifts, and last week and even today we have Connect One Day, where we can help you discover your spiritual gift after both services today. Uh, we're talking about faith. And what it means is just believe God for things and to have faith in our hearts. We're believing about angels and demons. And maybe last week you were like, oh, you almost got me, but I still like calling and commission. And so I really, really love this, uh, this collection of talks. I hope you're with me today because today we're going to be talking about giving and money. Everybody said amen. Come on. If you're brand new with us, welcome. I'm so glad you're here because this is essential to our faith. This is essential to our everyday walking around life. It's about money. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and you will receive. Everybody said, We like that part, right? Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. The title of my message today is Essential Giving is Essential to Living. Essential giving is essential to living. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. And Father, I just pray uh, for for your word to not become information, but simply transformation. May it transform our lives today. So Father, we have a posture of, of, of not defensiveness, but we have an open heart today to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen and amen. And uh, what I like about our church is our church is a generous church. And so this is easy to talk about at Avenue Church. And uh, thank you for clapping. I appreciate that, right? Our church is a generous church at Avenue. But there really is a a stigma when it comes to money and when it comes to church. But I want you to know 15% of everything Jesus said was about money. In the Bible, 15%. That means he talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. He talked about money, and there's a reason why he talked about money. He wasn't there saying, you could have me in your home for 1995. He didn't say that. He wasn't saying you could buy something in that war for $500 and, and reoccurring. Gift. That's not the God that we serve. But he, there's something about that giving is so essential to essential living because we cannot divorce faith from finances because God sees them as, as inseparable. God sees them as inseparable. God sees them as the same thing. Now, what's interesting is how many know John the Baptist? He was uh, Jesus' cousin. He water baptized Jesus. He was was the forerunner. He went before Christ, and he was out there in the wilderness, and there was a great following that came to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, I'm going to baptize you with water, but there's someone coming. I'm going to baptize. He's going to baptize you by fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and they're like, well, I don't know what he's talking about, but I like this guy. And so here's in Luke chapter uh, three. It says, when the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, you brood of snakes, who warns you to flee the coming wrath? This is John, by the way, all right? Crazy guy in the wilderness. But you know what? He was kind of a preacher that was just like, this, here it is. Who warns you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and you've turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. So what's he saying? He said, repent of your sins and don't just depend on mom and dad's faith. Yeah. Don't just depend on grandma and grandpa's faith. Don't just depend on you're going to church every Sunday and think you're saved. This is what he's saying. And then he goes, that means nothing. And the crowd said, well, what do we do? Now This is the kind of church that we have. I love an avenue church. We go, pastor, it doesn't make sense. To tell me why. And we're going to say, how dare you? Now we're going to say, of course. It's safe. This is a safe place to ask questions. It's a safe place to go, who's Jesus? What's the Bible? Where do I read? Where do I start? And so they go, uh, what should we do? And John said, you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Now, this is hard even when you're married. Can I get an amen? Like you said, you didn't want fries, so I got myself fries. Now you're eating my fries. Even the corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He said, collect no more taxes than the government requires. And they're going, I'm asking you how to get to heaven. I'm asking you, like, what do I do to be saved? And you're talking about shirts and fries and taxes. And he goes, so they go, what do we do? (laughs) What do What do we do? Asked the soldiers. And John said, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Why in the world, and I never saw this before until I read this this week, why in the world is John the Baptist was preparing the way for one that will baptize us with fire Talk about our money? Because John the Baptist knew that essential giving is essential to living. He knew there was a, there was a reason for faith and there was a, there was a reason for finances to be talked about so much in the Bible. Jesus comes, he arrives on the sea, and here's Jesus in Luke chapter 18, one of his many encounters. A religious leader asked Jesus this question. Good teacher, what should we do to inherit eternal life? I want to be a Christ follower. I I, I want to be saved. Can you imagine John the Baptist saying, like, give your shirt to somebody, pay good taxes, don't be corrupt. Can you imagine them saying, I'm going to go to another Baptist. I'm going to go to someone else who will baptize me by water and not ask me for money. Can you believe in the, in the service they gave? How I mean, I'm talking about. But so they go, teacher, uh, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? I wonder if this is the same person that asked John the Baptist. I don't like your answer, someone asked the Messiah. <laughs> and Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your good question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must testify falsely. You must honor your father and your mother. And the man replied, I'm good. I did all those things. I have obeyed all those commandments since I was a kid. Like, is this just, I thought Jesus was going to challenge me today. And then Jesus heard his answer, and Jesus said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. That's the moment where you said, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> right? Amen, pastor. Look, I connect one day. Amen, pastor. Right? And then he says this. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Now I want you to know, when it comes to faith and finances, God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want all your possessions. If you're, you're going to come to this church, if you're brand new today, you don't have to give me your your house, and your car, and, and you have to give me this and that, and you have to give me all, your, no, that's not, That's not. That, that wasn't the issue for Jesus. For Jesus, it wasn't a money issue, it was a heart issue. It was a heart issue. It was a heart issue. But here's the problem when it comes to money and it comes to our, when it comes to money and it comes to our faith, we see as two separate things, separation of finances and faith. You know, it's like if anyone ever badmouths my wife and somebody says, I don't like Pastor Lindsay, she's this and that, I'll be like, what you say, fool? (laughs) Like, I'll put the pastor hat down, I become holy and hood instantly, (laughs) very quickly. From the east side, y'all, all all right, what you say? But the problem is, sometimes that happens when we say, I love Jesus, and then we say, give 10%, and you go, what you say? Because as Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth, where moth eat eat them and, and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and the thieves do not break in and steal. Because he says this, he's not saying uh, get rid of all your stuff and not, and not have savings. He's not saying don't have a, a, you know, a plan in place. He's not saying be stupid with your money and just spend it all right now. What he's saying is wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. God wants, you, God wants to be the desires of your heart. And so money isn't evil, okay? Money isn't evil. Money is a tool, and money is a great thing to propel the gospel, to propel Avenue Church, propel the gospel to all the nations. But money is an evil. But when it becomes a treasure instead of a tool, there's a problem. It becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. Uh, My son uh, really got into Lord of the Rings, so he dressed up as Gollum on the eve of All Saints Day. And he was going, my precious. How I many you seen that movie, right? He wanted to ring it. But how many of us from paycheck to paycheck are my precious? My precious, that's just the sound of greed. And so here in Genesis chapter four, I found this interesting. So Adam and Eve, they sinned, they get kicked out of the garden, they have other children, and they have two boys named Cain and Abel. And it said, when it came for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, uh, the best the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. I want you to see this. Cain presented some of his crops. Just some. Here we go. I'm going to give you, here we go. I'm, I'm doing my religious duty. I'm doing, here we go. But Abel brought the best portions of the, of the lambs. So one was a farmer, one was a rancher from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So the Lord comes to him, and I love this. I kind of want to go back to Genesis where the Lord's like, Jeremy, what's up? And you're like, Lord, you know. And so the Lord goes, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You, you, You will be accepted if you simply do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. And then later on, he goes and kills his brother because of the jealousy and because of the greed. But here's what I found interesting. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. How do I subdue sin? Kill greed. Yeah. Kill selfishness. Kill greed, kill selfishness because what happens is when I give, giving reminds sin who's really in control. Giving reminds sin who's really in control. It's not really about me. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And then he continues on to say this. One day, Cain suggested his brother. Let's go out in the fields. So hear me. The Lord already talked to him. The Lord said, hey, if you just do what's right, and when you're what's right, it's for me to be the treasure. Right? Not what you brought and not what you did and not your stuff. But then one day Cain suggested to his brothers, go out into the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, Where's your brother? When God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He just wants to make sure you know the answer. He goes, Where's your brother? And he goes, This, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? You know what greed does? Greed makes you mean. And you know what greed does? Greed inflates our self worth. Greed makes me think I'm the most valuable person in this planet. I'm the most valuable. Now, hear me out. Jesus sees us as God's masterpiece. We are valuable in the eyes of God. But when we become greedy, it becomes all about us and all about me. Hey, where's your brother? I don't know. It's not my turn to watch him, Lord. But Matthew 23:25 it says, "What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? I mean, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy." And then he says this out of nowhere. They're not talking about money. Talk about salvation and eternal reward. He goes, but you're full of greed and self-indulgence. These are religious people. These are people that went to the temple. These are people that knew the Bible. And Jesus saying, hey, you look out on the outside, but it's the inside that counts. Because selfishness and greed, it isn't taught. It's inherited. You know, when, when Levi was little, and next service, he's in here. So I'll say when I was little. It's different being a teenage pastor. You know what I mean? Like, like I have a story to tell. Oh, you're here. So I can't. When he's 18, I have lots of stories, y'all. Um, but when, when kids are little, I swear, I, 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 they may say mom or dad, but they really know the word mine. 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 Other grab something and pull it. Mine. That doesn't happen in our nursery, but other nurseries, a kid might grab something and go, mine. (laughs) And when they have something, they'll see something else that they don't have, but someone else simply just has it, so they go, mine. That wasn't taught. It was inherited because every single one of us, we were born in this planet with a sinful nature, with a selfish nature, with a greedy nature. And your boy turns 40 this month. And I still have to battle against greed and selfishness. I still have to battle against my sinful nature. Because God doesn't want us to inherit the greed of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. Catch the vision of giving. It's not about receiving. It's about giving. We'll be talking about this for a while because there's something so important. If, if Jesus talked about more about giving and money more than heaven and earth combined, then there's something there for us today. Yeah. And so Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Let's go back. It says, Give and you shall receive. Give and you shall receive. We used to sing a song way, 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 way back in the day. Press down, shaking together, running over, and it into your lap. I'll, I, it was awkward in the middle of singing that, and I stopped it. Some of you got excited. Stop. All right? We're just going to read stuff and not sing. Press down, shake it together, make room for more. Running over, pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now, I found this fascinating, but Jesus uses a modern-day illustration for those that were in the room. And what Jesus was doing was, okay, because of the times that we're in now, all of you either farm or you know about a farmer. And so when Jesus said, press down, shake in together, make room for more, he's actually talking about a specific type of routine they had out in the grain fields. In the grain fields, the hired workers would work in the middle or the the robust part of the fields, but on the corners of the fields, where they would have uh, those that were poor, uh, whether they were uh, volunteers there to make some extra money, uh, whatever the case was, but they were not hired hands. And so those that were poor had the freedom to farm on the sides, on the outskirts of the fields. And whatever they could pack in their bins, in their grain bins, they could bring to the home, to their house, to provide their family completely free of charge. And so for Jesus was saying, when he said, press down, I'll show you a picture. Press down, that means they could could put as much grain in those baskets. But how many know, when it's free... I mean, you seen those ladies that are uh, trick-or-treating candy, right? You know what I mean? Like, let's grab it all. They, they, they sh- they'll shove it in there. So it was pressed down. It was shaken together because they didn't want any air. They didn't want any room in there. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over because they wanted, by the time they got th- to their house, they had more than enough. It wasn't completely, like, layered out like some of you OCD people. You know what I mean? It was all the way. You could follow the grain trail all the way back to their house. And so Jesus said, you've seen that, right? And they go, yeah, I've seen it all the time. It drives me nuts. And Jesus said, yeah, but that's going to come back to you. Yeah. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Not just a little bit, but it's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be running over. And so what Jesus was doing, what if, we, if we back up and read the entire context of Scripture, Jesus is saying giving is a principle that applies to every area of our lives. So we just read, press down, shake it together, running over, giving you shall receive. Man, church loves, we love that, don't we? But if we read in the verse before, it says this in Luke chapter 6 you must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. You must, uh, don't judge others, so you will not be judged. Don't condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Press down, shaken together, running over, pour back into your lap. So giving doesn't just apply to our money. It doesn't say if I give some money, I'm going to get back more money. It's saying if I give forgiveness, I'm going to get back forgiveness. Right? If I just love others and expect the best in others, then they're going to expect the best in me. Because sometimes if we say, no, that's a crook, then we're going to place ourselves in their minds to go, oh, they're going to think I'm a crook or I'm a thief or I'm not. And so, that Jesus is teaching them, he says, Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give and you, rece- you, you, you shall receive. Your gift will return to you full. Press down, shake it together, making room for more. Listen to me, friends. What Jesus was trying to do was, He said, Give and you shall receive, but it's more than money. Because what Jesus was saying is, I want to be your treasure, I want to be your desire. But Jesus was also saying, The giving principle is to be our reward, not our motivation. Not our motivation. And I can tell you, this is is where a lot of people stop and they just talk about motivation. Man, if you just, if you give to get, come on somebody. And I used to be a youth pastor, and I used to be so proud of our kiddos because I would have our students give the offering. And our students would get up there on stage and they'd be like, the Bible says, give and you shall receive. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I got some students here in this room too. They're married, grown, all that. And they'd be like, giving you some receive, and say, they would literally say, "Last week, I gave five dollars in the offering, and this week, God gave me an Xbox." I was like, "No!" <laughs> 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 but I mean, as, as adults, we think that way too. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I give a little bit, God better hook it up. And then when He doesn't hook it up, because it wasn't our reward, it was our motivation. We get upset, and then we leave a one-star review on the church's Google Facebook page. (laughs) Yelp. I see you out there. But give to get actually works selfishness and greed back into our lives. When we say, give and you shall receive. Come on, everybody. And everybody said, we're working selfishness and greed back into our lives. And that's why Jesus, if you really read his words, he was careful with what he was saying. He said, friends, it's your reward, and your reward is not here on this earth. Your reward is your treasure in heaven. But it's not our motivation, it's our reward. It's not our motivation, it's our reward. I want you, James said this, you, you, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight, you wage war to take away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. It's okay to ask God for things. It's okay to say, Lord, I, I, I want this for my family. Lord, I, I want to be you know, yeah, financially stable, but then the Lord would be, be financially responsible. But we don't have because we, we don't ask. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. I wonder, maybe God's not giving us things because we'll just spoil the treasure on things that pleasure us, on things that comfort us, On things that will just leave us exactly where we're at, instead of investing back into the kingdom. If God if you're faithful with little, God's going to give you more. But that little faithfulness has to be with stewardship and investment in the kingdom. In the kingdom. In the kingdom. But it says this, Second Corinthians chapter 9, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to, in, in, uh, to eat. In the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then he will produce a great harvest of generosity a- a- on you, around you. It says he'll produce generosity inside of you. Man, that's all he cares about. is what's on the inside of you. But remember, he doesn't want us to be broke. He doesn't want us to be poor. And sometimes we look at man, maybe missionaries or pastors in ministry or, or those that are non nonprofit world and we say, you have to be broke because the Bible says to be poor. And that's not God's word at all. But the reward is a generous heart. When your reward is generosity, when your reward is your treasure in heaven, you just can't outgive God. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't. You just can't. Now, this is what's interesting. Sometimes I've kind of heard the notion of, well, I don't have the gift of generosity, you know, or, uh, man, I, I can't. I can't tithe, or I can't give. I can't give 10%, or, uh, pastor, I wish. I wish I could. But this is what's interesting. Galatians chapter 5, it says, so, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Is he guiding our finances? Is he guiding where our money really does go? Then it says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. The sinful nature wants to buy things that we want. The sinful nature wants to invest elsewhere, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So there's a battle going on. But then it says this, but when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, Remember, treasure means where our desire goes. Treasure means where our heart goes. But then the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity. Now, it's funny. I've read this list before, but it's interesting when you, it's interesting when you read the list, but you have it in the context of generosity. The Holy Spirit begins to pinpoint some words differently. And it says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says this, and I found this fascinating, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fruit, singular, one. It's one fruit. This kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control there is no law against these so the holy spirit when we accept Jesus into our heart the holy spirit lives in our heart and we have these this fruit this fruit now this is a special kind of fruit because this fruit has everything inside of it it has love it has joy it has peace it has patience But the problem is in the local church, and this is my, this is, I've been here before. The problem is we think as Christ followers, we get to pick one fruit and we get to discard the other fruit. I don't like tomatoes. Is tomato fruit? It's disgusting. I hate tomatoes. I want a sandwich, omit the tomatoes because it's disgusting. When I eat a tomato, I have knowledge of evil. I hate (laughs) tomatoes. It's in Genesis. It has to be. Pull it from a tree. It's a tomato. I swear it's not an apple. It's a tomato. But how many of us do that in the in in the body of Christ? You know what? Today I choose violence, but I'll be I'll be kind, but I'm not gonna have love. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'll be loving, but I'm not gonna have joy. I'm just not a joyful person. My parents weren't joyful, therefore I'm not joyful. But the problem is, if we accept the fruit of the Spirit, we're all these things. We are loving, we are joyful, we are peaceful. We are, mm. we are patient. We are ha- patient. We have kindness. And we have goodness. I want you to see this word here, goodness. Goodness. We have goodness. What in the world is goodness? I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? Goodness. So I looked it up. Goodness, in the original language, means goodness to do good in generosity. If you are a Christ follower you have generosity in your heart. If we're a Christ follower. We have generosity in our heart. And that generosity is a choice we have to make every single day. I just don't wake up and go, I'm going to give away all my money. You know, like I'm going to be loving today. There's some days where I'm I'm a jerk. And I'm not kind, and I'm not loving, and I'm not nice, and I'm not patient. And that's why I'm married, because she, of course, cracks me every single time. (laughs) I mean, prayer does, prayer does, prayer. But we put that in context. The fruit of giving, the fruit of giving is this. The fruit of giving comes with love. Fruit of giving comes with joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and with self-control. And I want you to see this. The spirit of generosity comes with self-control. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom on where to invest where to give of our time, where to give of our money. The Holy Spirit will tell us, He will guide us, He will lead us, and He will direct us. But, church, what does this have to do with the essentials? Why is essential giving essential to living? Because the church should be the most generous place on the planet. Church people should be the most generous people on the planet. Not naive, but generous. We're full of wisdom and grace, but we should be the most generous people on the planet. I know there's people at Avenue Church that every single week generously give their time to come set this place up. And there's people that generously give their time to tear this place down. There's people that generously give their time and their finances. There's, what, 17 individuals that generously gave up three days to go to Mexico, build a house, spend $20,000. Man, there are people that generously give their time to lead a small group. I'm gonna clap for that one in their home on a weeknight. Come on, y'all. There are people that are generously cleaning their house. I think all of them, right? Are y'all cleaning your house before they <laughs> before they show up? Because I feel that that's real right there. There are people every single week generously serving and giving. Not because Pastor Jeremy's their treasure. Not because what you do is a treasure, but because Jesus is your treasure. And restoring up treasures in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you could always be generous. Can I tell you, when God talks about generosity, He's not just saying, go do it. He's saying, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to resource you. But I need to trust you with the little to see what you could do with even more. And when you take the gifts to those who need them, they're not going to thank you. They're going to thank God. They're going to thank God. So these two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of believers will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. That when we give and when we're generous of our time, of our money, whatever it is, it's not just money, friends, but when we give because we have a generous heart, people will come to Jesus. People will discover Jesus. So I'm going to give you an essential challenge this week. Here's our challenge this week. I want you to gen- practice generosity this week. That's your challenge. Practice generosity this week. Now I'm going to give you a little hint. Before you practice generosity, you're not going to feel the, 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 the goosebumps. Before you practice generosity, your sinful nature is going to go, don't you dare. You know what I mean? That's your hard-earned money. You know what I mean? Like but, but before it happens, Ugh. but after you do it, that's when you go, that was awesome. That was awesome. And if you feel remorse or regret after that, maybe it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because not every gift comes from God. Not every act comes from God. But I'm going to also give you kind of a bonus one, because this happens typically once a month where we say, man, I want to serve. I want to get involved. Yes, i maybe got some church hurt or some trauma. We're going to work with you on that. And, and I want you to know this is a safe place to serve. This is a safe place to get involved. We ask you, will you serve once a month at Avenue church? Man, will you? I mean, we are, we are growing. We're in a season of growth. It's been amazing. Uh, but now I go connect one day it's right now after service, and your sinful nature goes, but you're hungry. Well, you got plans today, you know? Like, like come on. So here's your bonus one. It's practice generosity this week. The bonus one is go to Connect One Day today. Now. Go today. Be generous with your time and your talents. Be generous with your time and your talents. I love what somebody said. We always give the message feet every single week. An Action course, next steps to take. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out 12 apostles with these instructions. And I love this. He sent them out. He said, okay, now it's your turn. Remember last week Pastor Lindsay said it's not about you're looking at the pastor on stage or the speaker on stage and and then we go somehow equip the world. She had everyone stand and turn and face that way because it's it's, it's, it's the pastor equipping the saints and then the saints go out and then we all impact the world. So Jesus said, go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy and diseases. Cast out demons. And then he says, give as freely as you've received. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm going to be talking about, some of us need to learn it, some of us in this room, like, like the 1%, you need to learn how to receive. Yeah. But most of us in this room, man, we got to give. we got to give. Because being saved from your sins, it's not about you giving to God. It's not going, okay, here you go, Lord. <laughs> Your chosen one is here. That's not salvation. It's not about giving to God. But it's about God giving to you. The first John 3.16, we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave. 1 John 3.16 says we know what real love is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If someone has enough to live, well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion. How can God's love be in that person? Dear children, don't, don't, don't just merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we'll be confident when we stand before God. And I want you to know we do not, cha- we do not teach behavior modification, it is not about change your behavior and you'll be, be saved. It's not about stop swearing, cussing, looking at those things, stop. That's, that's behavior modification. We, we, we want heart transformation. Because when God transforms your heart, your behavior follows your heart. But this is interesting, because I wonder where that line is between behavior and transformation when it comes to generosity. But it says, even when we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, for he knows everything. So friends, God gave, therefore we freely give today. Will you stand with me please? I just want to pray with you today. With every head bowed, of eye closed, I just want to challenge you this morning. This morning, will you practice generosity this week? Remember, friends, it's more than money. Maybe you pay for somebody's meal. Maybe a stranger. I don't know what it is, friends. The whole I'll pay for somebody's thing behind us in the drive-thru, I don't know. But maybe it's giving you of your time. Maybe for you today, it's it's giving 10% to the local church. Maybe it's giving an offering. Maybe it's going to connect one day. But whatever it is, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Not one who gives under reluctancy, not one whose arm was twisted, but you gave because the Holy Spirit specifically told you. So I challenge you today, we practice generosity. I ask you today: Will you go to Connect One Day? Will you help propel this church, not just to our city but to the nations? But for the rest of us in this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today, and you're having a hard time receiving the love of God. while we're still sinners, you know, Pastor Jeremy's translation is while we're still messed up, jacked up, God Christ, he died for us. He died on the cross for you, for you, for you. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He he knows all things. And he knows 2,000 years ago, he knew you today. And he died for you on the cross. Maybe you're here today and you need to receive God's free gift of salvation. The only reason why we have the heart of generosity in this church is because Jesus freely gave to us. And if that's you today, and you say, Pastor, will you help me pray a prayer? The way we do it here at Avenue Church is we all pray a prayer. Yeah. We all say it out loud. But it might be your prayer today. It might, be, it might be words that mean heaven and earth for you. And if that's you, with every head but of our coast, just raise a hand and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me, just keep it up. i am just got to count. Ready? One, two. Anyone else? Anyone else? Three, four. Anyone else? I'm so proud of you. Four, five, anyone else? Five, anyone else? It's cool. Come on, I'm proud of you. All right, y'all. Anyone else? Freely receive. And watch God transform your heart. The fruit of the Spirit, six over there. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and goodness. Generosity. Everybody, I want you to lift your voice. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross for me. Say thank you for paying for my sins for me. Say, repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I you know how, I'm going to live for you. Because I now know who I am. I'm generous. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody. Give God a shout today. Lift your voice. Clap your hands.